Well, greetings from the land of the long white cloud, and I greet you in the name of God our Father, in Jesus Christ our Saviour, and the Holy Spirit our Helper. May grace and peace abound unto you and to all who love our Lord. My name is Carl Faree, and I'm very grateful to be part of the Ascension Day service at Frontline Fellowship and very grateful to be asked to also just reflect a few things from our past on the start of Salt Shakers, which eventually became Christian Action. So thank you for that invitation. So through the scriptures, we learn of our Savior. His prophecies concerning His coming, His birth, His death, His ministry and teachings, His resurrection, and His ascension. As Jesus ascends, he commands us with all his authority to make disciples and to baptize these people in the name of our triune God, Matthew chapter 28. Making disciples is much more than making converts. Disciple in Jesus' day meant spending time with a master who would train you to become like him until you in turn could train others. And we see four generations of this in Paul, Timothy, Timothy being instructed to teach reliable men and these reliable men who in turn would teach others in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. Discipleship takes time. It speaks of deliberate effort personal investment, making oneself vulnerable, watching one's own life, watching one's own prayer, and making sure that your own teaching is word-based. So, as I said, Africa Christian Action actually started off as salt shakers under the leadership of a young American missionary, Martha McComb. While we were all young and inexperienced in Christian activism, but from the start, Martha emphasized the importance of being word-based. And so we especially studied Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra provided the biblical teaching and motivation to a new generation of returnees from exile. While Nehemiah was the practical one, organizing work parties, dealing with issues, dealing with political matters. Both motivated the people to work hard and to exercise faith in God to restore the ruins of Jerusalem. I also remember us studying Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, where we saw that Jesus expects far more than external obedience to his law. Our hearts and our attitudes must also be right before Him. These are necessary before we can serve God and our neighbor thoroughly. Only then can we truly be salt and light in this tasteless, dark world and be a blessing to others. For me, these were exciting moments of personal spiritual growth. Studying God's Word in preparation for action, 
but also being forced into writing articles for our fledgling magazine. Articles on blasphemy, education, pornography, the Lord's Day, the arts and others. And I say forced because at the time there were so few people being around who were willing or able to write. The tough part was actually motivating others to be part of action groups. Finding people who would join you in protesting outside shops selling pornography, handing out tracts at immoral or blasphemous art productions, writing letters to newspapers, um, and exposing misleading or politically correct articles. But gradually God laid it on people's hearts to be courageous and to make a stand for His righteousness. The breakthrough came as we saw corner shops in our area stop stocking pornographic magazines. It felt like we were back in the book of Acts, where we read of the church turning the world upside down as it was in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. The church advancing. And this encouraged people to be bold and to make a stand for righteousness. In the mid-1990s, I remember being part of the film and publication board for the movie The Last Temptation of Christ. I remember making submissions to the film and publication board on new classifications for movies, on engaging with concerned politicians as South Africa's 1994 election drew near. So I remember speaking to parliamentarians about the horrors of legalized abortion. On the surface, much did not change. Offensive film and musical productions continued. Blasphemous art displays continued. Abortion, pornography and same-sex unions in time were all legalized. But we are called to faithfulness, not necessarily success. Success is God's responsibility. But all the situations gave occasion for us not just to raise social or moral issues, but also to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people we would otherwise not have met. But we did make a difference in other areas. I recall 20,000 Christians being stirred up to peacefully march down Cape Town's streets, calling for God to be recognized in the new South African Constitution. I celebrate the church taking a stand against the government's push to legalize prostitution during the 2010 World Cup soccer event. And this eventually did not happen, prostitution being legalized. We must continue praying, fearing God, shunning evil, and warning the ignorance and the erring from Judgment Day. I'm especially grateful for having been involved in Salt and Light on Radio Tigerberg. Yes, the shows educate people about God's Word and motivates to obedience, but for me it was a life-challenging experience, interviewing people, humble servants of God, who quietly labored away in unseen places with no thought of personal gain or glory. Church planters, pastors, missionaries, 
Bible translators, leprosy and pregnancy ministries, prayer warriors, justice for refugees, and for the poor. And so now on to Ascension Day. Until 1995, Ascension Day was honored as a public holiday in South Africa. And it is a shame that so few churches today remember it in any form at all. This day speaks of Christ's absolute authority, his supreme victory, his inescapable evangelistic command, and his promised return in glory. This day reminds us of eternal rest in our eternal home. But the fact that we are not yet home also tells us that there is much work still to be done here on earth. God's word is powerful and effective, sharper than any double-edged sword, judging the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Hence, we should never shy away from quoting God's word in our dealings with people. Hebrews 4 verse 12. God has given us his promise that his word will never return empty or void, but that it shall achieve all his purposes. As we read in Isaiah 55 verse 11, this should encourage us to pray for his kingdom to advance and for the kingdom of darkness to be driven out. His word and his own name, his honor are God's supreme priorities. We must never tire of reading his word, studying his word, and allowing his spirit to teach us from his word. Psalm 138 verse 2. So, what is the ascended Jesus doing now? At least five things. Firstly, Jesus is preparing a place for us to be with him in eternity. John 14 Verses 1 to 3. Christian, this world is not our home, so don't get too attached to it. We are ambassadors for our heavenly King, and we are to be faithful in this task. But in reality, we are merely strangers in a foreign land. We are in the world, but we are not part of it. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind by His Word and Spirit. Romans 12 verses 1 and 2. Secondly, Jesus is interceding for us, interposing His righteousness for our disobedience. Romans 8:34. As Satan accused Job of falsehood to God, so Satan accuses us. But his accusations are actually true. We are unholy and unrighteous in the presence of a holy God who is angry at sin. But, praise God, we have a perfect Savior. One who has taken our sin upon his shoulders at Calvary and who holds out and offers his beautiful righteousness instead of our ashes. He is our perfect substitute. Thirdly, Jesus is sympathizing with us 
and through this encouraging us to pray. Hebrews 4, verse 15 and 16. As our great high priest, who knows the depths of every temptation that we face, and yet who never himself succumbed to sinning, he is offering up prayers for us, understanding how frail we are. And this should encourage us to run to God in times of trials, seeking his face and praying for deliverance from the darts of the evil one. For God is faithful, and he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can withstand. He will always provide a way out for us. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 Fourthly, Jesus is mediating the new covenant with his own blood. Hebrews 9 verse 15 Jesus has paid our ransom and has set us free from sin so that we can obey him, which is proof of our love for him. John 14 verse 15 As the mediator of a new covenant, we belong to the redeemed, chosen people of God, who are being built up into a holy nation, into a royal priesthood, so that we can declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and to receive his promised inheritance of eternal life. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 And then fifthly, Jesus is building his church. And the church is something that not even the gates of hell can overcome. Matthew 16 verse 18 Sometimes just one person is brought into the kingdom at a time, like the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. At other times, a family is converted, like the, like the Philippian jailer and his family in Acts chapter 16, verse 34. At special times, God brings a mighty revival by His Spirit, like the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, where thousands were added to the church. Some may be born again in times of peace and prosperity, like Lydia in Acts chapter 16. Others are converted at times of great persecution, as were the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. But all whom God calls will be kept for that great day of salvation. Christ shall lose none that the Father has given him, John 17 verse 12. And on that great day when Christ returns in glory, his bride, the church, shall be complete, perfect, and radiant in His holiness. Revelation 21 verse 2 So what is Jesus doing? Firstly, He is preparing a place for us to be with Him in eternity. Secondly, He is interceding for us, interposing His righteousness. Thirdly, He is sympathizing with us, and encouraging us to pray. Fourthly, he is mediating the new covenant with his own blood. And fifthly, he is building his church that not even the gates of hell can overcome. So what then is left in terms of world history? Only his returning again. 
John 14 verse 3. Jesus' final words in Revelation are that he is coming soon. And he repeats soon three times in the final chapter of the Bible. Jesus' return will be unexpected, like a thief in the night. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 2 or Revelation 16 verse 15. His return will be sudden, like the flashing of lightning. Matthew 24 verse 27. People will be going about their daily lives without a care for spiritual things as in the days of Noah. 1 Peter 3, 3-10 The reason for his delay is to give people time to repent. In Matthew 24 from verse 45 onwards, Jesus urges us to be found to be engaged in our Father's business at his return and not to be found idle in these last days. Faith without works is dead. James 2.17 But be aware that works without faith is empty and vain. So be faithful in pursuing your relationship with God through the study of His Word, through meeting with His people on His day, and in prayer. And let this motivate you to be diligent in doing His work and in being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. May our gracious God be with you all until His promised return as we read of in 1 Corinthians 11, 26. So from Aotearoa, this is Carl saying, thank you so much again for involving me in this Ascension Day and in this celebration day of Africa Christian Action. Goodbye.